O God, because without you we are not able to please you, mercifully grant that your Holy Spirit may in all things direct and rule our hearts through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Our sermon text for this evening comes from the Gospel of Luke 16, verses 19 to 31. If you are willing and able, I invite you to stand for the reading of the Gospel of Jesus Christ. There was a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate was laid a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, even the dogs came and licked his sores. The poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. And in Hades, being in torment, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. And he called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in anguish in this flame. But Abraham said, Child, remember that In your lifetime, you received your good things and Lazarus in like manner, bad things. But now he is comforted here and you are in anguish. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been fixed in order that those who would pass from here to you may not be able and none may cross from there to us. And he said, Then I beg you, Father, to send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, so that he may warn them, lest they also come into this place of torment. But Abraham said, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, No, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. He said to him, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. And that is the word of the Lord. May God add his blessings to the reading, the preaching and the hearing of his word. And all the church says, you may be seated. Well, I should tell you at the outset that my purpose today is to show you how to stay out of hell and how to get into heaven. That is the gist of what we have just seen and heard in this story, isn't it? Jesus is continuing his ministry, teaching and preaching. And he's still engaged with the same kinds of people. Last week we saw that Jesus was engaged with the Pharisees and the religious leaders. They were critical because he welcomed sinners and ate with them. Don't let the chapter break in chapter 16 fool you. This is an ongoing conversation. Only instead of Jesus addressing the Pharisees and religious leaders as he did in Luke 15. Now he has turned his attention to his disciples 
The Pharisees and religious leaders are eavesdropping and trying to listen to what Jesus is saying. And as Jesus exposes the sin in their hearts and the idolatry in their lives, Luke tells us in context of Luke 16 that the Pharisees and religious leaders began to scoff and deride and ridicule Jesus. In other words, they're not having it. And so when you get to this story, you might wonder, well, what is going on here? Why is this so important? Jesus told the parable of the lost son, which we heard last week, to religious critics in order to comfort all of the rough and rowdy sinners who were gathering around him and eating with him. But why does he tell this parable? He tells this parable of the rich man and Lazarus to his disciples in order to condemn his religious critics for their idolatry. These critics were lovers of money. And as lovers of money, they had a low opinion of the poor and they had even hatred in their hearts towards God. So last week, notice we heard a story about two brothers and a father. And this evening, we're going to hear another story about two men and a father. And certainly you can hear the similarities between the stories as we make our way through. The rich man in this story is like the elder brother we met in last week's story. Here is a man who has everything he needs and much more. The father had given him everything. A comfortable home, nice clothes, delicious food, a healthy body. All of the creature comforts that this life can afford. And then you meet Lazarus, who is much like the younger brother from last week's story. The younger brother after he had wrecked his life and wasted it in reckless living. Here is a man who has nothing. He is in total abject need. He has no food. He has no shelter. He has no health in his body. He is the polar opposite of the rich man. In fact, Jesus tells us in the story that he is so hungry that he longs to eat dog food. He longs to eat the scraps, the crumbs that fall from the rich man's table. But no one gave him anything. On top of it all, to add insult to injury, he's so sickly that he can't even drive away the stray dogs who are gathering around to lick the open wounds on his body. Both men die, and then they are each carried to very different places. Poor man is taken up to paradise, carried in the arms of angels to rest in the bosom of his father Abraham who represents God in the story. The father welcomes him and embraces him and holds him close to his heart, just as we saw the father receive his younger son last week. But what about this rich man who is much like the elder brother? He's carried to a place of torment where he is abandoned and left alone. And you see the complete and total role reversal in their life. In last week's story, the father saw his lost son from afar and he ran to meet him. And remember how moving that imagery is. The father saw his lost son and ran to meet him. But in this story, things are different. The man, the rich man, sees his father a long way off. But the father makes no move. He doesn't flinch. 
He doesn't twitch. He doesn't budge an inch towards his lost son. But like the lost son, this rich man finds himself in a terrible situation. Much worse, in fact, than the younger brother was in that we saw last week. For this rich man wakes up and he is in the flaming torment and he cries out to the father for mercy. But the father shows him none. He is oppressed. He has oppressed the poor and insulted his maker. And now he is being punished for his wicked deeds and crooked ways. Here is a man who hid his eyes from the poor and shut his heart to their need. And now he is reaping the curse that he sowed. He shut his ears to the poor man's cries for mercy. And now the father is shutting his ears to his cries for mercy. He will not satisfy the rich man's desire in these scorched places. The rich man is overwhelmed with anguish and thirst. And he cries out from this place of torment. The first time that we see in this man's life, the first time since we met him, that he feels pain, that he senses any kind of need, and he lifts his eyes up to heaven, but he sees Lazarus. What's happening to this man while he is in the place of torment? Hell is turning him inside out. In stark contrast to his life experience, he is now in torment and anguish. Suffering and sorrow, something that did not characterize him or touch him or plague him in his life. He feels in his body and soul in the afterlife what Lazarus felt in his body and soul in this life. Only it's far worse and much more painful. Notice in the story that he says that his thirst is so powerful that he wishes for just a drop of water to be brought to him. He wished for Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool his tongue. But it is, it is the father who would not allow it. And this was not only to show the rich man that Lazarus is not his servant, that Lazarus should be beckoned and called by the rich man, but it is to show the rich man that no one is able to cross from one place to another. The rich man's fate and destiny are fixed. There is no exit from heaven. There is no escape from hell. Now, one of the miseries of hell is seeing paradise and yet not being able to enter it. Another misery of hell is sitting alone with your regretful thoughts and memories of what you should have been or what you should have done. At some point, the rich man's thoughts are going to be consumed by what he should have done, by what he should have been, but what he failed to do. And you can imagine the things that are going to run through his head. I should have shared my personal resources to make friends with needy people. Then I would have been received into eternal places and seated with Lazarus in the love and comfort of the father's arms. I should have been a faithful steward of the temporal riches that God gave me. Then I would have been entrusted with true riches in eternal paradise. I should have loved and served God and not money. Then I would not have fallen into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires. I would not have been plunged into ruin and destruction as I am now. 
I should not have loved money. It is a root of all kinds of evils. It was through my craving for money that I wandered away from the faith and pierced myself with many pangs. I should have feared the one who had authority to take my life and cast me into hell or comfort me in heaven. But instead, I only feared man and not God. And on and on this will go for the man who is confined to places of torment. In hell, a man may confess all his sins every day for all of eternity. But he will never hear the word of assurance that his sins have been forgiven, that he has been granted pardon. He may confess it all, but God will forgive none of it. Now, on the surface, it looks like the rich man went to hell because he was rich. You get that vibe in reading Luke's gospel where he's very, Jesus is very critical of the rich and very uh, sympathetic towards the poor. And so you might say, well, the rich man went to hell because he was rich and the poor man went to heaven because he was poor. And we're all rich and so we should become poor so we can avoid hell and go to heaven, right? Is that what's going on here? No, there's more to the story than meets the eye. And to make it very clear, no one is justified by how much or by how little wealth they actually have. In other words, the poor man did not go to heaven because he was poor. And the rich man did not go to hell because he was rich. The rich man went to hell because he did not love his neighbor as himself. He did not use his riches to enrich others. He did not use his blessings to bless others. Because he loved money and he served money and not God. The bottom line is he went to hell because he did not obey the word of God from the heart. And how do we know that? Well, we know it because of what happens next in the story. Notice the rich man's request. I beg you, Father, to send Lazarus to my father's house, for I have five brothers. Send Lazarus to warn them, lest they come into this place of torment also. Father Abraham responds, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. To which the man says, no, Father Abraham. But if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. And the father said to him, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. I want you to let that soak in for just a moment. There are so many things here to absorb, to reflect on. But one of the things you notice about this rich man is that even in the midst of death and torment, the rich man is still defiant. He still doubts the power of the truth of the word of God, and he denies it. You see him debating with the father over the best course of action. So in response to the father's message, the rich man protests in what in my mind sounds like this. Not the law and the prophets, not the Old Testament. The word of God is not enough for my brothers. I know what they need better than you do. 
They need something bigger and better than the Bible. They need something with more flash and zing and pop. They need something that will get their attention. They need a miracle, not a message. Send Lazarus back to them. Send Lazarus back from the dead. There are so many things wrong with this request. One is he's trying to take Lazarus from his place of comfort and send him back to a place of distress. You can see the self-centeredness of this rich man. Yes, he's concerned about his brothers, but he still shows no regard for Lazarus, even in this current state. The rich man disregards the word of God, both in its written and spoken form. And that gets to the heart of the matter and to the heart of why this man wakes up in hell in a place of torment. If we can say anything about him, we could say this, that he recognizes that hell is the one place where misery does not love company. No one in hell wants anyone to join them in that place of torment. And that is why the rich man begs the father to send someone to warn his brothers. But the father's response is curious, isn't it? At least it seems curious to me. We all live in the Bible Belt. We've all been in and around churches that claim to be New Testament only kind of churches. And they want to get all of their rules and regulations from the New Testament. And so we might sympathize with the rich man a little bit when the father says, no, they have Moses and the prophets and that's enough. And we might be saying, well, no, they actually need the New Testament. I mean, Moses and the prophets, wasn't that nailed to the cross? I mean, that's dead and over, isn't it? Now, the father tells the rich man that they need to hear Moses and the prophets. And this is a phrase that means the Holy Scriptures. They need to hear the Holy Scriptures. They need to hear what the word of God says. And the Old Testament is the word of God, breathed out by God and useful. Westminster Shorter Catechism puts it like this. The word of God is the only rule to direct us how we may glorify God and enjoy him. The scriptures principally teach what man is to believe concerning God and what duty God requires of man. So God knows that if the rich man's brothers hear Moses and the prophets, they will learn God's will for their lives. But they must believe and do what God reveals. That is what will please the Lord. Now, this is more than just becoming daily Bible readers. That's not what Father Abraham is saying. Your brothers need to read the Old Testament. That's not where he's going. What he's saying is they need to hear the word of God preached and explained by a minister of the word. For faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And if you're in Jesus's world, hear doesn't just mean let sounds come into uh, the openings on the sides of your head. No, here means obey. They need to hear Moses and the prophets and they need to do what Moses and the prophets say. To give you a couple of examples of what Moses and the prophets say, listen to this. This is what God spoke through Moses in Leviticus 25. If your brother becomes poor and cannot maintain himself with you, you shall support him as though he were a stranger and a sojourner, and he shall live with you. Fear God that your brother may live beside you. You shall not give him your food for profit. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. 
Deuteronomy 15 says, If among you one of your brothers should become poor, you shall not harden your heart or shut your hand against your poor brother, but you shall open your hand to him and lend him sufficient for his need, whatever it may be. And all of this can be summarized as the Apostle Paul teaches us. All of these commands can be summarized in this. Love your neighbor as yourself. This is what Moses and the prophets would tell the rich man's five brothers. This is what God spoke through the prophets in Isaiah 58. And this was from our Old Testament reading before the sermon. Is not this the fast that I choose? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh? Then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry and he will say, here I am. If you pour yourself out for the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, Then shall your light rise in the darkness and your gloom be as noonday. And the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your desire in scorched places. And you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. And when you hear Isaiah 58 in light of the parable of the rich man and Lazarus, some things begin to make sense. We're illumined to what's happening here. The rich man did not obey Moses and the prophets. And so God did not deliver to him the blessings that he promised, but a curse instead. The Lord did not answer his prayer for water or shine light on his darkness and despair or satisfy his thirst in scorched places. Because he disobeyed the word of God. Now, in order to stay out of hell... The rich brothers, the rich man's brothers, must do the very things that their brother failed to do. And if they do, they will get into heaven. But how? If they hear Moses and the prophets, they just might be convinced and persuaded, even incited to believe the good news and so be saved. Now you might think, what, what good news? Because it sounded like they were just given a bunch of laws, a bunch of rules. Where's the good news? At the very end of the Gospel of Luke, Jesus tells us something about Moses and the prophets that his contemporaries didn't know. But we can know it. Moses and the prophets say many things, but the most important thing they say is this. That the Christ must suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins must be proclaimed in his name to all nations, to all people groups. That is the gospel of Moses and the prophets, according to Jesus. So in order to stay out of hell, the rich man's brothers must do the things he failed to do. In order to get into heaven, they must believe the things he failed to believe, namely the gospel of God's grace in Christ. So contrary to the rich man's opinion, the word of God is sufficient to reach even the worst and hardest of sinners. This is the power of the truth of the word of God in the hands of the Holy Spirit. As an old Jewish proverb says, 
Every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. And by the way, this is why the poor man is in heaven. In case you've been wondering for the last 15 minutes, how did the poor man get into heaven? The poor man did not get into heaven because he was poor, but be, or because he, fit, he, he suffered so miserably in this life. No, the poor man went into heaven because he took refuge in the Lord. He trusted God even in the midst of all the miseries of this life. And God had mercy on him. We can say the poor man went into heaven the same way that anyone who gets into heaven gets into heaven. And that is by grace alone, through faith alone, apart from any works. He was received into eternal dwelling places and seated in the love and comfort of his father's arms. Now coming all the way to us here in the 21st century out of a parable and into reality. How do we stay out of hell and how do we get into heaven? And if heaven and hell seem too heavy to you, how do you stay out of a place of torment and get into paradise? The answer is the same that we hear from Father Abraham. We must hear Moses and the prophets. And to hear is to obey We must hear Moses and the prophets because the sacred writings are able to make us wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. We must hear Moses and the prophets because all scripture, both Old Testament and New Testament, is breathed out by God and useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction and for training in righteousness that we may be complete Equipped for every good work. We must hear Moses and the prophets because the word of God is sufficient. It is enough for us. As the Westminster Confession of Faith puts it, the whole counsel of God concerning all things necessary for his own glory, man's salvation, faith and life is either expressly set down in Scripture or by good and necessary consequence may be deduced from Scripture unto which nothing at any time is to be added, whether by new revelations of the spirit or traditions of men. But above all else, we must hear Moses and the prophets because they reveal to us the Savior, Jesus Christ. The Holy Scriptures convince us and persuade us that though Jesus was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that through his poverty you might become rich. In other words, Jesus is the true and better rich man who gave up everything to love and serve the poor. And he is the true and better poor man who took on our poverty and pain, even our wretched sin, in order to make us rich. Such is the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is the grace of Christ that keeps us out of hell and gets us into heaven. Now, to hear Moses and the prophets rightly and truly, how do we do that? We need to go and hear the word of God read and preached, interpreted and explained by a minister of the word on a regular basis. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of Christ. 
And this is why it is imperative that we gather for worship in an orthodox, Bible-based, gospel-centered church. Why we attend Sunday schools. Why we participate in missional communities. Why we read the Bible at home and catechize our children according to the Word of God. In other words, we're trying to hear the Word of God in a variety of ways to get it into our hearts and into our minds to shape and form our life. That's how you stay out of hell and how you get into heaven. I hope and pray that by now you see that Moses and the prophets are Christ-centered They point us to the grace and truth of the Lord Jesus Christ. Moses and the prophets say that Christ must suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. And they say that repentance and forgiveness must be proclaimed in his name to all nations, which includes us. And so what shall we say in response to all of these things? Well, this is the faithful word that we proclaim If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. No one who believes in him will ever be put to shame and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And that, brothers and sisters and friends and strangers, is how you stay out of hell and how you get into heaven. And that promise is for you. It is for your children. It is for those who are far off and for those who are near, as many as the Lord our God will call to himself. In his delightful book, Notes from the tilt world Nate Wilson says these things. Heaven or hell is about love and hate. If you love God, then take up your cross and go to him. If you hate him, then throw down the cross and go to hell. And those are the options that are set before us. Life and death. Blessing and curses. Let us trust and obey the Lord. Let us walk by faith and not by sight in conformity to His Word as we seek the light and life of the Lord Jesus Christ.